0: The theme for the evening talk is the compassion of the middle way. Recently I had been uh, uh, recalling, because of some current circumstances I'll refer to, uh, a period in my life around about 30 years ago, just over, and I was, whatever, 24, 25 uh, years of age, and a number of us had made the uh, overland journey from uh, the west to the east, and I was traveling up through uh, Thailand, and from there crossed, some of you may know this area, uh, crossed the the Mekong River
1: into uh, Vientiane,
0: which is the uh, capital of uh, Laos, And during this time, the war, the Vietnam War, uh, was, uh, of course, going on with incredible intensity. Vietnam uh, is a neighboring country of uh, Laos and Cambodia. And I traveled up. There was also something of a civil war going on in uh, Laos (coughs) between the royalists, the uh, neutralists, and the, the Pathet Lao, who the, the, the left wing, the, the Marxist, the, com, uh, the Communists. And I travelled up through the country. I had been uh, newspaper reporter. To, uh, it was my training to earn some money. And the um, um, F-111s and the B-52s from Udon in North Thailand were taking off. And it became clear, and the villagers confirmed this, that in fact there were It wasn't uh, only bombing of North Vietnam that was taking place, but bombing uh, the villages of uh, central and northern Laos. And it was a secret war which is being uh, against these uh, uh, people in their uh, rural settlements in in that part. And I travelled up through that area uh, uh, with, with, with the army, in fact, in their trucks, and wrote a report about it. And one of the memories I have of that period of time and uh, those of you who have been in areas of uh, war and uh, conflict is that the, the ter- terrible damage it does to to lives in, uh, in most terrible and uh, and tragic of ways and the, the loss of limbs immediately comes to mind the, the weeping the death of of family and so forth and they had reminders of all all of this uh which was the, uh, an outcome, in fact, just uh, a week or two ago. I was uh, in London for some uh, um, uh, meetings, talks and things, and also to take part in a demonstration against the, the bombing in, uh, in Yugoslavia, in uh, Serbia, and Kosovo. And I spoke with a very beautiful uh, Serbian woman And in fact, they didn't know she was a Serbian, uh, but she had one of these um, names, which was, uh, to me anyway, impossible to pronounce. So I said to her, where are you from? And she said, I'm a Serb. And I said to her, and I'm sure others who know her, I said, how are you dealing? How are you responding to this terrible situation that's going on at the present time? And she said that her parents and the sisters uh, live in Belgrade, and she telephones them. And uh, she said the situation was absolutely uh, awful. That there was that people are so frightened that the parents at night didn't know whether to stay in their apartment or to try to take some refuge uh, underground. That the, the, the sisters were were, were, were crying with uh, terror. Every time they heard an aeroplane, uh, they wondered what would, what would happen where, where next. And the fears and anxieties, and this, of course, is just ordinary Serbian people who have no interest in Milosevic, no support for, for that, yet are subjected to the same tyranny. And then I said to her, how do you feel about this? How are you feeling about it? And she said, when the bombing started, I felt very angry. And then I said to her, but who are you... Who were you angry with? And then she said, um, initially I was angry with the Albanians, that the Albanians had caused or made all this problem for uh, for the the, the Serbs. And then from there it went from the Albanians to everybody, to uh, uh, the government, the nationalist, uh, intense nationalist government there, to uh, the United States, to uh, Britain, to the NATO countries, uh, etc., and she said, "It's and it's become, of course, terrible for her because she's phoning home every uh, night or two, and when there's no reply, she doesn't know what's happened, and then and then she, of course, she's worrying about what, what might be what might have happened to them or to their friends or their neighbours or that apartment block or, or, or whatever." And listening to this uh, uh, th- this account, inside when one when one uh, listens that somehow in events that take place, the actual human connection through what we read and, and what we see in our, our television screens are very, very quickly we, we get numbed, numbed to, to the human factor. And sometimes it just takes one or two conversations to actually stimulate and awaken the heart to what actually in this situation as well as many others around the world uh, is, is going on. And I think that something about our, our lives <clears throat> and the uh, characteristic and the nature, nature of them is actually working severely against the, his, the, uh, the sensitivities and the needs of people. That the way we are constructing our, 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 our lives is actively depriving us of finding ways to uh, express in larger situations, real compassion. There's plenty of talk about it, but as far as direct uh, uh, action and in various ways of expressing real and active concern, unfortunately, there seems to be less, and in fact, less and less uh, of it. And we only have to look back in in the history, those of us who were, uh, in in terms of uh, protest in the American uh, government's war against the people of Vietnam, that we only have to remember that time of protest okay, uh, against that, how long it took to mobilise the force of people in concern and compassionate way, to putting out one single statement, one word in fact, stop. That was the word, stop. It has to stop. But uh, unfortunately between the time of events taking place and some out. Come for them to change. The period of time often runs into years. Meanwhile, people are dying. Mean Meanwhile, there is a there is a, a madness uh, uh, taking place, and I took part, if I may say in this uh, demonstration in, in uh, uh, London, it was right through, the, it's in the very centre of London, it finished up at Trafalgar Square, where most of the demos for years finish up. And there were pro- <clears throat> probably altogether, perhaps, uh, perhaps about 5,000 of us taking part in it, and the main thing was Stop the Bombing, that was the main poster, along with uh, others. And when I looked around, looked around me at the the demonstration, the thought arose in my mind: "My God, it's the same old crowd." And I looked round, and there's the campaign for nuclear disarmament people there, and then there's the socialists, and the and the and the anarchists and the Trotskyists and the and the left-winged labour people, and then there are the Kurds there, and the Iraqis there, and the Palestinians are there as always, and and, of course, the, the Albanians and the, and the Serbs are there as, uh, as, as well. And various other communities, representatives from various uh, uh, parts of the world. And tremendous amount of information and literature uh, which, is, which is being uh, given out. But it's, sometimes, it's, even though I would disagree, and perhaps many of us would be, by some of the views, perceptions, and, uh, and, and values... That might be might be there, but somehow or other, and this is one of the points I want to make. Somehow or or other, despite the tremendous proliferation of quote-unquote spiritual magazines, spiritual uh, journals, there is not, at present time, a very substantial and important relationship between those kind of awarenesses, inner awarenesses, and political engagement. It's very, very, worldwide this is, very, very thin on the ground. Of course you and I can pick out uh, a few uh, exceptions. And, and and therefore I think it's important to look at what are, what, what are some of the reasons why and also to examine in ourselves am I that alienated from the political system that I live not with but under? Am I so alienated that I don't feel, whoever the I is, any active uh, engagement or interest in that other than possibly putting my tick on a piece of paper every few years. And I think one of the main factors and one of the main things which I hear and uh, come up again and again is something called time. And the word that comes up, the usual one-line refrain... I don't have time. And it seems to me that what's happened and, and is happening is there is such an intensity in the uh, current work ethic. It's so strong in people's lives about work and work and work and work and work. And it's generated so strongly to others that the f- sense and the feeling that people get and we easily tell each other, well I don't really have time, I don't have time to write a letter of protest to the newspaper or my congressman, I don't have, have time to take part in a demonstration, I don't have time to go to uh, a, a, a meeting or whatever, whatever else is, is necessary. And somehow we've, we've got a constructed view of our, of our existence which seems to be terribly small from any global level, terribly, terribly small. And as a result of that lack of empathy there, it then becomes very, very hard to have any sense, any empathy or feeling with what it is like to be bombed night after night, because that is what is happening. And so the, the, the mind in its difficulty, if there is any uh, difficulty, in the mind in its difficulty tends, and I just use the Kosovo situation as one, to think in extremes and actually believe in extremes. And therefore, the compassion is the, the demonstration and the action of the middle way. And what I mean by that, when one thinks in extremes, in the example that I give, The two extremes will be, well, either we bomb or we do nothing. They're the two that are offered. And it's crude, it's it's, it's vulgar uh, way of thinking as these extremes uh, are. And the Dharma teaching says there is a middle way. And somewhere or other, the passion for compassion is often terribly... uh, 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 short, and we can we keep providing the reasons why we don't respond, and if we don't, nobody will. We'll get, we'll, we'll get the, the the various left wing people with their causes, and uh, and they'll stop the bombing, and of course the, the small spread of the others who are there. there were a few of us, the Quakers there, and the, and, and uh, Buddhist friends, but something. In a teaching which so highly prioritizes the resolution of suffering, where the Buddha has said, I declare in this world there are only two things that matter one is suffering, and one is the resolution, and that is all I speak of. And yet, somehow or other, we kind of find ourselves in in a situation of as many do here, and very beautifully, able to attend to suffering at the personal level. That means working directly in close human contact and connection with those who are around us, at therefore the interpersonal level, but find it difficult, and it's understandable because it's frustrating and often a pain in the neck as well, to actually extend to look at suffering and the kind of causes which contribute to it in our political-economic system. And there's somewhere or other that area of compassion isn't, unfortunately, though it needs to, be addressed in those areas as well. Despite, in the Dharma world, some very fine minds, extremely insightful uh, there, but somehow not finding its way into these regions. And I still say, that I still think, the idea and the belief in I don't have enough time is a feature which acts as a block. And it might be useful in the Dharma of the Middle Way to, to change the language and see how one feels if one says, I don't have enough compassion. I don't have enough concern. I don't connect, connect enough with my brothers and sisters in other parts of the world Albanians, Kosovans, or uh, uh, Iraqis, or whoever it might be. Sometimes the structure isn't, isn't easy. And. I was just giving it a small example of, uh, of uh, uh, this in a conversation in the staff dining room a day or two ago. That where in uh, Europe, I think I may have mentioned in the hall here, that um, uh, here the, the, the shortage of holidays is one example. I think it's two weeks, a holiday a year. A friend of mine, she uh, lives in uh, Geneva. She's a secretary, part-time Uh, secretary works about four days a week uh, in total. She went on holiday to France. She took a month off um, there with the family uh, in France. And in early part of the holiday she got sick, very uh, bad uh, dose of influenza and had to spend uh, two weeks um, pretty well uh, uh, in bed and, and, and resting. And uh, the doctor from the village where she stayed came to visit her. He gave her a certificate. She went back to her uh, Geneva, gave the certificate to her lawyer, and under the uh, uh, law there, it meant because she lost two weeks holiday because she was sick, the company has to re- give her two weeks holiday. When I'm um, speaking to uh, Edwin, we're in Australia, who, uh, uh, the uh, director here, that there, four or five weeks holiday and 12.5% bonus for holiday money. These things, not just a firm, in the law. It's in the in the law. As well as all the uh, healthcare care uh, uh, provision which is provided for uh, everybody without ex- without exception, regardless of income. So sometimes the pressures which are on people is a kind of imprisonment. It holds people in, it, in it, it, its grip. One gets so used to this in the intensity and the stress of it all and the effect and the result of which it becomes very, very hard to see out of the immediate interests of the self, or the immediate interests, of course, of the loved ones, those that one serves in one's work, in one's professional life, uh, etc. And so sometimes, in all, all of that, we need We, the people of the Dharma, we, the people who have the Four Noble Truths, we, the people whose primary concern is suffering and its resolution, need to attend and address as much as we can, not only to that personal contact and communication such as here we make and elsewhere, but also to the structures as well. Something in that, that cage, in other words, genuinely needs to be rattled. Because what is is happening is, of course, that more and more things are taking place. I use the tragedy of Kosovo as one uh, one example. And the hard fact of it is very, very, very little is being done about it. One can't help feeling, and I'm sure some of you have the same feelings I that if there had been a willingness in this situation, and I think it's a fact as well in a way, as well as a metaphor for all of us here, that in any area where one's trying to bring something to resolution, it's so important and vital that we put our whole being totally into it, that we really work to make something happen. And, but because of the um, um, unresolved pathology of the uh, uh, United States president and the, uh, and and comp- I would call, nightmare of his personal, personal life, and all the months or year of distraction of all, all of that, the full attention wasn't given to something that it required all the, by all those uh, in, involved, and the outcome of his, is what we have. if one's really willing in life, I'll use it as a fact, as a metaphor, or whatever, to go the full way with that met, mid, middle ground using all the resources which are available personally, diplomatically, socially, politically, and the various um, major organizations, things can shift. As I say, sometimes it's vital in the name of practice and application of compassion. That we find ways and means to keep that important deep feeling of the heart alive and therefore sometimes it means what has to stop in our own life for something else to happen. That's what it comes down to. What do we have to put aside in the shorter or longer term to find and generate some space If we say I have no time or my life is so full or there is so much going on uh, with it that we find ways to put something aside to make something, to generate the space to make something else happen. And that is extremely difficult to do because the mind will resist change. It it resists it. It's It's got a... Uh, 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 we have a kind of invested history, investment in our recent history. A couple of years ago, I was in uh, Washington, and the Venerable maha Goshenanda, who's uh, a patriarch of Cambodia, who uh, lost all of his relatives when... Um, Following the, uh, uh, the saturation uh, bombing of um, Cambodia from the, uh, uh, Nixon and the Kissinger, and that of course led on to the Khmer War, Khmer Rouge um, nightmare, uh, etc. And he and I were in uh, Washington uh, together. It's was just a week, in fact, after the um, uh, rather sad death of uh, Princess Diana. Who had made a significant contribution to alerting uh, uh, the world to the terror of these anti personnel mines and all the consequences uh, of of them? And a friend, a Dharma friend, was making, (coughs) she got, she kind of, very, (coughs) just with no real connections, woke up one day, a friend from the West Coast, and she had a flash of an idea to do a documentary on uh, the Cambodian people and how things are changing there and both recent history and current current uh, history. And she just started putting all the energy together to get this to happen. And one of the people that she wanted in the documentary as a major feature was was the Venerable Maha he's been He's a dear friend of mine. He's been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize Prize uh, on four occasions, uh, because he takes these rather dangerous walks through Cambodia uh, every about this time every year um, to bring peace to Cambodia. And he says, he says, basically he said, what he he said to me was, actually they're nominating me for doing um, uh, walking meditation in my own country. (laughs) And, And other people are doing walking meditation in their own country and they're not getting the... Nomination, etc. So we went out to see some Cambodians in uh, just outside Washington, uh, uh, refugees. And I met and talked uh, with one of them. And the refugee said that about five or six years previously, he had returned um, back to his village. And when he uh, uh, returned, this was after a well over 20 year absence and the only reason he survived was because he was actually in America when the Khmer Rouge um, uh, uh, launched this Cambodian holocaust one one might say 2 million deaths nearly a third of the population and his uh, family were murdered his parents were murdered his uncles, aunts were murdered uh, etc. And And I said to him, how was it then to go back to your village and be back in the place that you had been in 20 years uh, previously? And he said, when he was there previously and you visited friends and neighbours, and he said there were still a few around, he said in the old days, one would go to the villages, and when you you knocked on the door or, or... first introduction or whatever, the immediate response was always, are you hungry? And he said, just like in the the West, people always ask about your health, how are you? In in Cambodia, it's, are you hungry? And he said, in the weeks that he spent back in uh, Cambodia, that question was no, no longer asked. And the first question that you're asked is, how many relatives have you got left? How many were lost? Any stranger visiting places in uh, rural Cambodia, how many relatives are left? That's the, 20 years after the event, after the terror, of it, terror of, of it all. So sometimes there's this kind of ongoing tragedies and, and uh, uh, nightmares uh, which are taking place. You and I have some knowledge of, of these things, yet the knowledge somehow has to touch, needs to touch places uh, inside of us that in some way or other does actively generate some kind of response. That we're not going to live our life as kind of passive onlookers of other people suffering outside our own land or outside our own community. Sometimes... It's, in a way, sometimes it's lack of life experience. It, that, that, sometimes that is part of the, part of the, the, the problem. That, that sometimes we need to say, have I spent so many years in my culture and in my uh, environment and lo- lo- locality that without knowing it, I have a kind of view which th- is the view of my environment? It's the view which has been formed inside of me by what's coming from the immediate outside. It's not easy to stop and to uh, ask oneself in, in that. Is it that the way I look at things tends to be all too typical? And if it is... We may have some deep questions about what will actually awaken something to look differently, to feel differently. That we 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 respond to. If we take a small example, if one wants to know about anything in this world that's going on, one of the last resources to take any notice of is the newspaper. It is a delusion. I can speak as a ex- newspaper reporter, so know a little bit here. It's a delusion to think one will be informed, because the weight of in reporting of reporters wishing to please their editors and their employers doesn't allow a real, thorough, deep exploration of the situation. And if one thinks that a newspaper or a weekly magazine is going to release Compassion of the the Heart, then if it did that, given the amount that we read, society would be full of caring, compassionate people contributing to the resolution of suffering. Unfortunately, reading the newspapers contributes to being asleep. It's part of the problem. So the idea of free press it is a nonsense. It's the inner life in its movement that makes the difference. For some, and some of us, if we want to know, the two resources have is, is have to really put our attention into really going deeply into something... Just like with meditation or whatever. Want to know what it is? One's got to go deeply into it. Therefore, one's got to go deeply into something to find out. And even better, go to the situation where things are happening and have exposure to them so that it's actually coming in our eyes and ears. Actually to make steps to find out. and And thus... Something can get awakened inside of us which contributes, genuinely is contributing to opening out our life. Just just at lunchtime today, uh, one of the um, uh, uh, 21-year-old daughter of one of the uh, uh, yogis who's been a friend of ours and been coming here for um, uh, many years, came to talk with uh, Sharda, uh, and I at lunchtime today, and what's she doing at twenty one in september she 's flying uh, to uh, India um, with the antioch program, and she 'll spend uh, three months in 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 uh, budgaya this is the place of the, the buddha 's enlightenment, and Bugaya itself and the area uh, around it is it being that it 's in uh, Bihar. And, and Bihar is probably one of the most unenlightened places on this earth. So It's rather ironic. You had this symbol of the event of the tree in two and a half thousand years ago in a, in a place which is rotten, corrupt, it's violent, it's desperately poor, 1% literary, literacy in, in the hamlets and villages uh, are around there. But the very willingness, she'll be there for uh, 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 three months, if I may say, I've been going, last 24 years I've been going to Gaya. I've never spent three months in that village. Probably wouldn't want to either, so all credit to a 21-year-old with a group of people who's going to be in that village for th- three months, listening to Dharma teachings, being with the Indian community and uh, living in that kind of basics. Hopefully, and, uh, and I'm sure in fact, that that kind of e- 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 exposure, it it will be an education with a truth to it and a quality to it that one could put half a dozen three months together in a university or college and it wouldn't compare with that three months. Because there's something about the bare, raw experience of the exposure to all of that. It can do wonders for the inner life and the the transformation of it. And some of you, in your experience as well, very well know this. That there's a tremendous amount of experience about life, real, real experience, in, in, in very painful and uh, difficult uh, situations. And the raw material for those very uh, strong and deep experiences of life can have a tremendous beneficial influence on, on what's around us. But we've got to trust in these experiences more and to understand them more and to make sure that out of that the, the, the compassion of the middle way genuinely is flowing out and therefore it means people and structures people and legislation people and processes pe- people and the, uh, uh, the ideologies which impact on us I go to um, yeah, uh, Israel once uh, once a year, and I lived there last summer. Uh, um, part of the work is conflict resolution work with Palestinians and Israelis in Shrem, that's at, uh, Nablus, on, on, on the West Bank. And there are about 30 of us 15 Israelis, 15 um, Palestinians, or so, and some of the. Uh, uh, Palestinians, as they say, they're um, veterans of the Intifada, the, the, the stone-throwing period, which is built into their um, folklore. Uh, uh, at that, at this point, and of course, Israelis have the, the, their background as well, including ex-soldiers uh, and so and so forth. One of the people in the uh, group said that um, he was. Uh, uh, Um, connected with Hamas, most of you know uh, of uh, uh, Hamas and its um, uh, uh, virulent anti-Israeli views, etc., etc., and all the terror consequences that that have arisen. Two days before we had the meeting, right in the center of Jerusalem, just a few minutes from uh, where I was staying, Hamas terrorists had parked his van and set himself alight in the van, and and in the moment that was happening, uh, and this was 8.30 in the morning, in the, in the middle of the rush hour in Jerusalem, some Israelis passing by saw that happening, uh, rushed over, pulled open the door, and pulled him out, put the flames out, looked in the back of the van. It was completely full of explosives. That there had been a matter of split seconds between this man dousing himself with petrol and lighting himself and that going to the back of the van to blow that van and that whole whole street uh, in in the rush hour. So this young uh, uh, Hamas guy in, in, in the group, I said to him, when you hear that, how do you feel? How do you feel when you hear that? And he said, there are two equal responses going on inside of me. One is good. What the Israelis have done to us, made us prisoners on our own land, tyrannized us imprisoned so many of the, the men tortured us, ex- killed us, etc., etc. All that we can do and that's the way we can get revenge. And he said the other equally arising in him that this is absolutely no way, it's, it, it, it's, it's a wicked and terrible thing to do to ordinary innocent people uh, 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 on, on, the, on, on the street. So then I said to him, which of those two uh, contradictory, conflicting voices inside of you you going to listen to? And he said, that's my confusion, that's my difficulty. I I don't feel I'm ready to give up the rage against what has been done to us. This is how he perceives. And yet I know that nothing can work along those lines because it only brings the same back to us and it goes on and on and on and on. and so sometimes in situations like that in other situations men and women in a very deep way are are, 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 are struggling somebody who sat here in one of the inquiries spoke about the internal war that was going on in her and and sometimes we need to look and say well, what is this internal war that's going on with me what is the biggest war that I have in my life inwardly Could that internal war be such that can I find the resolution of it as a way to understand how I might begin to explore the resolution of outer wars in the home, in the family, in the neighbours, and between one country and another as we have at present? Sometimes we hear, I, I, I... don't feel uh, very uh, comfortable uh, with it. We hear the language of find peace in yourself, and then we'll create a peaceful world. And some, some Dharma teachers, some brothers and sisters in the Dharma uh, uh, say, say that. And sometimes it, it gets said clearly and, and strongly, and there are uh, quite a number of uh, books which uh, advocate this. My concern would be that, yes, as an ideal finding peace in yourself and then we create, we'll create a, a peaceful uh, world. But if we just spend our time finding peace in ourselves, believe me, there won't be a world left to create peace in. It's, it, it, and, and where there is that imbalance towards oneself, and of course, at what point do you and I in working inwardly on ourselves, say, oh, I've got enough peace now. N- now I'm ready to go and generate some, some peace uh, in the world. What self, what I and my, would, would arise and say, well, I've got enough peace, peace now. Nobody ever feels ready to do anything in this world. Nobody can say, well, I've got enough quantity of all of that. And I think we need A genuine care and a genuine concern that we don't use the inner work as an escape and a denial in relationship to the outer. And and, and in spiritual magazines it seems to prioritise so much on the self and the self being okay and how the self can be okay that so easily it's n- leading to a neglect, not deliberately perhaps, but uh, a neglect of outer circumstances. And life is dependently arising. Life is inner and outer. Life in, its, in the enlightenment of life, for some people, will include enlighten- and the enlightening of life, not only in the ways that you and I have been speaking about here together over the days, but socially, and environmentally, and internationally, and globally. It's the, the enlightenment of the whole field of existence. And therefore, we can leave here and, 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 and give just a little bit of extra priority to active compassion and a little bit of questioning about what's being done in our name and a little bit of support for that poor family in Belgrade where the children, the sisters are are crying night after night, they can't get to sleep because of the terror of the planes that are flying over. If we can put the protest on those people with the the, the vulgarity of their their ethnic cleansing and the the discrimination against people, their neighbours who have lived there for centuries upon centuries. If we can carry the conviction that two wrongs never make a right. Then maybe we won't be on the one side quietly or publicly applauding the bombing. Nor on the other side are we saying, well, it's either that or do nothing. Because the Dharma says there is the middle way. The Buddha spent 45 years of his life, morning, noon and night, trying to maintain that, the disciplined focus of the middle way. And I think it's up to us in the long tradition, wonderful tradition of that, to really keep that alive. And when you and I hear it, here, hear extremes never let a word come out of our mouth that supports it. Never, not never, let a thought come out of our mind that is that is <coughs> that, that is supporting indifference on the one side and m- merciless treatment of of, of 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 people. And when we were standing in uh, Trafalgar Square, one of the one of the the women who was. Um, in um, um, uh, Baghdad uh, trying, doing humanitarian uh, work there and spent several months there uh, for one of the aid, aid agencies there and, and, she, and she said that <coughs> the, uh, the planes and the bombers uh, came in to try to destroy the defense building in Baghdad right on the opposite side of the road of of the river, across the bridge, was the hospital. And when the cruise missile hit there, the shock waves went right across the river and right to the maternity wing of the hospital. All the windows were blown. Pregnant women and their children and doctors and nurses were Cut to ribbons. One baby was just being delivered in that moment, she said, and the baby w- was dropped, and now has uh, uh, severe brain brain damage. And not a word about that appears anywhere. But she was there, and she knew. And she said it was the situation was so bad that the family that that she stayed with there, that the only thing that kept the children comfortable. And, and kind of comp- uh, and, and quiet, and they could relax. The only thing that gave them any relaxation was their cat. And they would just, when the bombing was taking place, they would stroke the cat and play with, play with the cat. Remember, the bombing is still going on, it's not like it's, it, it stopped. But the terror of it all and the bombing, the effect of which was that it drove their cat crazy. And the cat it's, it, itself lived in terror. And every time it heard a strange sound, it would just run round the, the apartment in terror. And so the children lost their only resource for feeling comfortable and relaxed. There was their, kitten, there was their cat. And this is all the human side of tragedy. Of the hum, human, human side of the vulgarity of tragedy hatred and intolerance which our leaders are bringing on, 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 on people and as they keep saying as a Serbian woman said to me in the Iraqis said why, why they pick on us we're just ordinary people you can't change your government from what they're, they're doing and you call it a democracy what hope have we got to be able to change ours you can't stop them bombing and, and, and we can't stop those who are in power why, 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 why pick on us And somewhere that heartfulness and care and concern and compassion that we have to be bigger than our nationality. And there's a lot of wisdom and skill in this hall here and and outside of it. And all of you have a lot of networks and and contacts. Therefore I say we keep the middle way of compassion alive for each other and for all others. May all beings live with awareness. <coughs> May all beings keep our hearts open. May all beings live with wisdom and compassion. We have A couple of quiet minutes together, please. Thank you.